The first episode of that campaign happened in 1848, when Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Lucretia Mott, and about 300 others, 40 of them men, met in Seneca Falls, New York, and drew up the first public protest in America against the political, economic, and social inequality of women. The delegates based their program directly on the Declaration of Independence, a document that 72 years earlier, in 1776, had failed to include them. Their new version, dubbed the Declaration of Sentiments, proclaimed that the signers, quote, held these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, unquote. Indeed, it might just as easily be argued that the struggle for women's rights in America really began with the revolution itself. Certainly, women were fired up by the revolutionary rhetoric of human rights and political liberties. And the war profoundly affected women's lives, changing forever their sense of themselves as citizens of the republic. A review of women's status in the new world and the changes wrought and hopes unrealized by the revolution render the expressed frustration of the women at Seneca Falls understandable. Early American culture prescribed specific tasks and subordinate status to women. Women managed the domestic sphere of rearing the children and laboring on the family farm, duties which included cooking, cleaning, washing, spinning, weaving, gardening, raising poultry, tending cattle, and trading in the local market. Under English common law, a married woman was, quote, covered, unquote, by her husband. The name given to her legal status was femme covert, which meant that she had virtually no rights at all. Everything she owned and everything she earned belonged to her husband. She did not even have legal claim to her own children. For more than 200 years, women complained about their lot, about their exclusion from participation in public affairs, about being denied education, about religious rules that oppressed them, about their subordinate status in the community, and their dependence upon undependable men. Such protests, though, were likely to be infrequent, private, and voiced only when some particular humiliation compelled a woman to violate the stricture that she remained silent and subservient. Within the confines of their circumscribed lives, women often found solace in religion, particularly that which arrived in a great wave of religious enthusiasm in the mid-18th century, known as the Great Awakening. This new religion exalted the individual's ability to, quote, choose God, unquote, and to take control of his or her spiritual destiny. Evangelicals' emphasis on the inner experience of God's grace and the rejection of established religious authority particularly appealed to women who found in it divine sanction for their spirituality and validation of their own religious experiences. Some women seized this liberating potential, claiming they'd been called by God to pray for others, to preach, even to lead. Many more found a rationale for public activity. A great moment of activity or opportunity for women's equality seemed to arrive with the determination to break with Great Britain. The American Revolution transformed the lives of many women through the experiences of wartime itself and the movement's expressed ideals of liberty and equality. 
Women assumed controls of farms and businesses, while husbands, fathers, and sons fought at the front. They were called upon to make crucial decisions about matters from which they had been excluded. After some initial trepidation about their abilities, many women experienced growing pride and self-confidence as they learned to act autonomously as, quote, deputy husbands, unquote. And in acting with other women in support of the war, they gained a new appreciation for the capacity of their sex to handle the demands of public life. As the war developed, women participated in crowd actions, signed pledges, raised funds, joined and in some cases led boycotts of British goods, fed and clothed armies.